Dear Family Courts podcast, a production of the Catalasso Group. We're dedicating this podcast to unpack the complex issues surrounding families and the family courts of America. We believe there is a better way forward that removes the power struggles and the war zone atmosphere that most of us have experienced in relationship to divorce, custody issues, or perhaps even the work within social services. My name is Lisa Welter and I'm your host. I'm the founder of the Catalasso Group and I've had a lot of first-hand experience personally and professionally in this arena. I'm excited to guide this conversation that affects so many of us. So welcome to Dear Family Courts. Welcome back, friends. It's so good to be with you. Today is episode three, part three of our premiere series, Dear Family Courts, It's Not Working. Today is all about the conversation around circles, but I just wanted to share where I live in Minnesota and it's been super warm in the early days of March, like 40 degrees, 20 degrees above average, which has been just total bliss. On my runs, I've not had to wear a coat. (laughs) And I know for those of you who live in Florida or maybe Arizona, that sounds ridiculous. But for us, we are in our t-shirts and our shorts already here in Minnesota. But as we are on the verge of spring, um, today is a very timely conversation for something new. Today is not going to be a rehashing of the last two episodes, so go listen to them. If you have not, each episode builds on another, really for the purpose of building a case um, for the conversation to center on circles. So if you've been impacted by the family court system um, yourself, today is going to be a clarion call for you to recover your voice and take a step forward to really take back back any ground you've lost. Today, we're gonna talk specifics of that call at the very end of the podcast. But first, let's a conversation on the circle process, which really is a pretty rarely used alternative dispute resolution method. And I'm gonna answer a few questions to help guide the conversation, and then offer a couple of stories to then start angling this towards a better way to support families of any kind. So first question, what the heck is a circle? Well, a circle is really a universal relationship focused communication process. It centers the conversation of um, a group of people on common ground, or sometimes that common ground might be referred to as shared values. Groups of people will use the circle process to make all kinds of decisions, to listen more intently, to understand maybe where folks are coming from, and then to offer a relationship-focused strategy for accountability when harm occurs. Circles are known as a communication framework that support people's fundamental needs to be heard, to be understood, to have a place to belong, and it's also a place where healing can occur as a group of individuals process a particular issue, each sharing their own experiences and wisdom to the group. So it's really the collective wisdom of a community coming together to have conversations to help guide them towards uh, a reality that they want to go in. Circle is always facilitated with the talking piece. This is the hallmark attribute of a circle process versus any other alternative dispute resolution 
method. And everyone in the circle, when we're using the talking piece, has equal power and status. This means even the one facilitating the circle is on the same um, um, equality or status as the rest. And outcomes are built on consensus, meaning every voice speaks into the outcome and the talking piece goes around in a literal circle until consensus is found. The circle practice, um, it definitely, strongly, it absolutely upholds the quantum understanding of the world. And in the first two episodes, we talked about that quantum understanding means that relationships are at the core of life. And so whether you're a person of faith, any faith, or if you simply believe in science, circles uphold those natural laws of cause and effect. The impact um, that we have on others affects other things and people and environments, right? And so when relationships are fractured or broken, there must be work to repair and heal it. Or that damage will um, cause other issues in our lives somewhere else. So an example of this could be um, if you throw a piece of trash out of your car window, you're polluting your community, right? You're littering. Someone else has to go pick it up. And when um, they find it, they have to go and take it to another location, to the trash can. But when lots of people do this, we have bigger issues in our community. The problem of throwing your trash out your car window causes other problems for other people or perhaps even wildlife. Well, the same is true in human relationships. When we do something to hurt another, there is a ripple effect. You might not see it right away, but those actions deeply impact family, children, and even your neighborhood. And when a group of people decide to facilitate a circle, they establish common ground or shared values as a group. They first choose to intentionally look for ways for which that they have things in common versus starting with the problem. So this is the unique attribute of circles as well, along with the talking piece. Um, there is great intentionality to build strong and safe containers to preserve um, the early stages of relationships for that to be built and for that to be fostered. What we find is that people have very similar needs. They need to be loved. They want to be respected. They need to be real or we're just not going to solve the problem. And they need to belong. And the circle practice intentionally seeks that first and at the beginning to enter into um, this type of community, there has to be an establishment of common ground to be able to work together and move effectively towards a better reality. So circles start with a talking piece. They build common ground. They seek to find where they um can best relate to one another before they dive into the more complex issues that they're trying to um, wrestle through. Circles work very, very well for moving people from point A to point B, but everyone gets equal voice and has the um, space to articulate what they want for their own lives and the space to creatively brainstorm with a community of others sharing their personal stories and experiences. It is a whole lot of storytelling and it is really cool to see how much progress a person or a family can accomplish when they have the ability to participate in circles. Circles are intended to take what the collective whole or that actual group has experienced and learned over the course of their own lives and move forward 
They might be helping an individual move forward. They might be as a community, just looking to make changes and moving forward as a community. Um, what we can say is we simply use our past to inform our future and we lean on others for their shared experiences as we understand and we learn from one another's finding that we are actually not alone and others have actually gone before us and have wisdom to share. The practice of circles is literally practiced in a circle, just like its name. Humans are completely hardwired for this. And if you look in your own living room, you've probably got a couch and an ottoman or maybe a coffee table and a few chairs around that, right? Well, you as a human being are already creating environments that somewhat mimic what circles intentionality is. Circles, while they uphold the quantum view on life or this relationship focus, this is different, but can be very similar to spiritual beliefs. And the circle is not intending or imposing a particular spirituality to a group, not the general practice of circle, um, but it certainly can include and it welcomes spirituality into the circle. So, you know, I've been a pastor for a number of years and so I've been looking at this process and trying to understand and make sure that I am firmly um, grounded in the practice to understand what is, um, what's kind of taking place when you get into the different people groups or how maybe circle has been facilitated. But I found that um, sometimes the lines can get blurred for those of you who've had an experience with circle or maybe you did not enjoy it. Maybe you really, really enjoyed it. But sometimes the lines get blurred between this quantum understanding and inserting uh, spiritual beliefs or practices. And so in many cases, this happens unintentionally. But um, if a person is facilitating a circle, they have to have an enormous amount of self-awareness to not impose their spiritual beliefs on or project them onto the group. And they cannot make a general assumption that everyone is on the same page page unless they've had that conversation. Um, some experts in the field like Kay Pranis or Howard Zare have written about these relationship focused beliefs of circle and I want you to listen to each one of these beliefs and see how it resonates with you. The first one is all human beings have inherent value, dignity, and worth. All humans are worthy of respect no matter who they are. Second, we all as humans have a purpose to fulfill in our lifetime and all of us have talents, gifts, and experiences to share with the world. And um, we're needed for our contribution. In fact, the world is lacking when someone does not have the opportunity to bring these to the world. Uh, fifth, human beings are hardwired for relationships and a sense of community. And all of us have a deep desire to be in good relationship with one another and really the rest of the world. It takes an enormous amount of energy to stay in conflict, right? Like in our core, we want to be in right relationship with those around us in the world. We recognize human beings from a holistic perspective. Again, this is another um, relationship-based perspective of the circle that we recognize humans as holistic creatures meaning we have mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual aspects, and we get to bring all of them into the um, space of circle. And then last, we have what we need to create positive change. Circles believes in an asset-based approach 
They do not look at the world from a place of deficit or needs-based perspective. It is always angling and leaning forward with what we have, what we know, to inform and make decisions and move forward. So when you hear this, another question might be rising up within you. Then how does one's spirituality interact with the circle process? Because perhaps you have had a, a circle process and it didn't quite resonate with what your spiritual practices were. Well, the circle fundamentally is not making a claim to a specific religious practice. However, I mentioned earlier that this is a universal communication process that allows for spirituality to be included in the conversation. It is upholding a relationship-focused worldview, though. Most faiths would acknowledge that these relationship-focused worldview are true about people, and they would find some tie-ins with their own faith. But the circle itself is not projecting a particular faith as a part of the communication process. Now, the group can certainly adopt spirituality into that if they wish. And I think this is where people um, blur that line. And sometimes um, people may not call that out at the beginning of a circle and they assume everyone is on the same page and where people start to back away because it's not a practice that they they um, want projected onto them. And for, you know, for good reason, right? People deserve the respect of where they're at spiritually. And so where where did the actual circle process come from and where do we see it used today? Well, we can trace variations of the circle practice into nearly every single ancient culture. Personally, I've been trained in circles and I've been primarily learning it through a Native American lens, specifically through Yukon leaders that train my leaders who then trained me. But what has been so amazing to me is how the Yukon Native community and its elders have been willing to share and remind me of this practice that has also been within my own heritage. I shared, I'm a Christian pastor. And when I learned the core concepts of circle, I was strongly reminded that I could find very similar variations of circle in the emergence of the early church, specifically in the last supper. As Christ sat with his disciples, sometimes we see him sitting at that large banquet table. He's in the middle, right? Um, And his six disciples on each side, so 12. That's really not a representation of what it looked like in um, Jewish culture when Christ was alive. What they did do is they sat on the floor on pillows with a very low table, and they sat in a circle. And there was a breaking of elements, passing of a cup, and there was um, kind of this sacred space and moment happening. We also see this uh, process emerge in the formation of the early church. People fellowship together, they sat in circle, they shared ideas, they shared beliefs, but at the core of all of this, it was relationships that mattered, and that is how the early church grew and developed. So that was fascinating to me, and then I learned that as I talked about this, I learned that this was a part of the African culture and within Eastern cultures. And it had already been adopted in Mennonite cultures and sometimes even in Methodist communities. And so each group of people held um, a very similar relationship-based process of circle. There was some variation to it, 
and they were literally sitting in physical circles. And this is how social order was established in all these ancient cultures. But in North America, we've been equipped with the circle and reminded by our Yukon friends and all the other Native communities um, about this beautiful process. And I am so grateful that they were willing to challenge me and to invite me to be reminded of what I was hardwired for. And so I just say thank you to the Yukon leaders and for those that have been willing to train me. Today, I see the circle emerging in prisons. I sometimes see it in schools. And sometimes I see it in the community working with criminals. In the Twin Cities where I live, I see inner city churches using circles for healing or perhaps um, specific community pain points as they navigate and uh, work together to find consensus on how they want to live together. The um, inner city churches are the ones hosting these circles. And the reason why they're doing that is because they see value in the relationship practice of circle that allows them to bring their spirituality to the table, making this a very powerful and transformative experience. I've seen the use of circles in various communities that have adopted the native spiritual beliefs that are very much connected to nature. And then I've seen churches use it to facilitate internally and then for their local communities as they bring their spiritual beliefs into the circle practice. And last, I've seen organizations or schools just simply uphold the basics of circle, the relationship-focused worldview that invites spirituality in a general format. Um, Here's what I love the most about circle. For me, there is an enormous amount of self-awareness, and I hear this over and over again. The amount of self-learning that happens in circle is crazy. When I choose to sit in circle, I learn how to keep my mouth shut. I learn how to listen to others. Um, I learn how to not take charge. Um, If there's an awkward moment of silence, um, I learn how to give other people space to share what they need to say. I learn I can't cut people off. I learn that I actually have a mirror being put in front of my face as I see how I impact other people and and where I possibly have created harm. But there's an enormous amount of room for me to correct my mistakes and acknowledge my intent or wherever I went sideways. Um, I have learned in more, I've learned more in one or two circles than I've learned in a year's worth of a therapeutic environment. And I'm not here to knock on therapy or give it a bad rap, but I'm saying there's a totally different dynamic that happens with a talking piece in a community, having conversation that's been built on common ground as people bear their truths and begin to heal. It is incredibly powerful. I would say there's nothing like it. And last, Circles always has food. Isn't that like the best? Who doesn't want to eat? And so um, I'm going to share a couple stories with you about Circles because Circles can be um, for really extreme circumstances in life or they can be for very simple ways to strengthen relationships or even celebrate. Remember, this is about um, establishing social order long ago, and it was used for lots of different ways um, people were relating to each other. So I'd like to tell you about the first circle I was in and how I quickly related it to my own life. I was first introduced to circles about almost a decade ago through a nonprofit 
and they had a referral process set up through their county attorney's office. They were holding sentencing circles. These are the most complex type of circle because it requires a lot of paperwork, the court's involved and diverting. Um, um, there is an actual crime that's committed, but uh, people could be diverted to the circle process. And if they, um, they allowed the community to do their sentencing and they fulfilled uh, the work that the community was helping them through, the community could send it back to the court at the end and say, this person has fulfilled and satisfied, um, they repaired the harm, and there could be an expungement of that actual um, record, which is kind of cool. So this was the nonprofit I, I found myself um, first experiencing circles. Referrals would come in from the local county attorney's office for an individual who had committed a crime, and then the person... Um, if they were willing to allow the community to sentence them, they would have to fill out an application or um, they could choose the court process. Lots of them would choose this particular process and these sentencing circles would last for maybe a year or more depending on whatever the crime was and whatever the community felt this person really needed to work through. But the cool thing was is that the community would have the opportunity to read through that individual's application and then hold an introduction circle with that person who committed the crime so they could ask questions and determine as a group whether or not they felt that this was going to be a good fit. Um, and then then um, if they felt like the person genuinely wanted to repair harm for the crime committed, they would say yes. So just imagine, put yourself in the shoes of someone who committed the crime. I'm going to use one of the examples. We had um, individuals who got caught buying um, women for sex. And this was, we actually had a lot of these cases. So you're coming into this knowing your, your community is not exactly happy with you. You got caught doing something wrong because your, your actions actually have an enormous amount of impact on women, but how it's impacting the society as a whole. So these individuals are not thrilled with what your behavior because you're hurting um, your own family too in the process. But nonetheless, you as the one who has committed the crime, um, you decide to enter into this process. And you are going to have the opportunity to tell your story to this group of volunteers who've been trained in circle, who are all giving their time away from their families to make their community a better place. This is how I entered into circle. At the end of the day, we were all committed about our community, that we wanted to see people transform because we knew that when individuals transformed, our community was going to get better and it was going to be stronger. And there would be one less per there would be one less woman sold in this particular circumstance. So here's the scene as this individual who's committed a crime walks into the door for their very first circle. There is a community of about eight or ten community volunteers that are there as well as the one facilitating the circle, the circle facilitator or keeper, and everyone is enjoying a potluck meal and they invite you in. And uh, they've all read your application, but this is how you're welcomed into the space. Can you imagine the way you would feel? You're not being rejected. You're not being shamed. You're not being looked at sideways. You're not being shunned. You're being welcomed into community and you're encouraged to eat and enjoy someone's home-cooked food. This is before you even start sharing your story. 
Um, that experience alone can be mind-blowing for people. It is so countercultural to the norm of what happens in a courtroom, even from the very first step. So everyone finishes their food, eats their last bit of brownie, drinks their decaf coffee or brings it, and they, everyone takes a chair in the circle. The person who committed the crime would sit next to the facilitator, and everyone else would find their spots. Um, the facilitator would be the one taking notes, maybe reporting back to the court, documenting, and then they would be the ones developing the agenda for every circle. This is in a sentencing circle, so it's the most extreme. Um, everyone's grabbed a chair, picked out the one that they liked. Um, when I did this, I looked around the first circle and I saw volunteers of every age, from a senior in high school, to working professionals, to stay-at-home moms, to retirees, you name it, we saw it in circle. Diversity was celebrated and highly encouraged. It was beautiful. Then the facilitator would um, help the group get on the same page by explaining why we were here. And um, they would be inviting the one who committed the crime to to share their story. But they did acknowledge to the um, entire group that um, everyone read the application of the individual who committed a crime. But before we would jump into that, the facilitator would open the circle with a quote or something that struck them um, about this particular group or the reason why we're coming together. So that gets read or shared, and then everyone is invited with the passing of the talking piece to share who they are, what they wish to share about their lives, and uh, maybe share about how their day went. After that, then the facilitator um, and the person that committed the crime is fully participating as well as the facilitator. Then the facilitator would um, do another round and invite us to begin to bring um, ideas for common ground. What did each person need from the group to make the conversation safe? And what were they also willing to uphold in regards to the other individuals in the room? And then we would um, move into more time for storytelling after that. Um, the person having committed the crime would be invited to tell their story after common ground got established. And then the talking piece would go around the circle for each person to respond, maybe ask questions. The person facilitating might be writing these questions down because remember, you don't get to speak unless you actually have the talking piece. So as questions are getting asked, the person who committed the crime um, has to wait until the talking piece comes all the way around. So they might have three or four questions that they're answering. Um, and so it's been helpful when the person facilitating is writing these down. When the talking piece comes back to the individual, um, that list of questions might be handed over to them so they can respond directly to the group's thoughts, um, maybe pose more questions, and then the talking piece would go around again. More questions would get asked. Sometimes people would become very emotional about what they heard or they're reacting to it. But lots of personal storytelling would start to emerge in this 90 to about 120 minute window of time. And then the group would have the opportunity to decide with the one who committed the crime whether or not they were um, appropriate for, for moving forward. So there would be agreement from the entire group to, to say yes um, and then make a, a commitment to how many times they were gonna meet and then offer suggestions for what that person might be needing to start working on. So an example of this in my first circle was, boy, we really see some mental health concerns. You're not necessarily seeing the big picture, buddy. And so we encourage them to find a good therapist 
that they could meet with every week. Um, or maybe we would make a recommendation for sexual addiction courses, whatever, you know, we, we could make those uh, recommendations to the individual. The person had the full right to say no or yes. Um, if they said no, there would be more digging into like what's going on behind that. Or if we felt like, gosh, we just can't make progress, it might get diverted back to the court. So um, the cool thing about this is the group would then check in in each consecutive circle on the progress being made and lovingly holding the individual who committed the crime accountable to their decisions. It was not fluffy talk. Sometimes circle members would offer individual sort support. Sometimes they would offer some resources. If we heard of there was a particular, like the lights were going to get turned off, people could engage however they wish to, um, but they were not required to give other um, resources other than their time. The whole purpose of this was to help the person who caused harm to understand the gravity of the pain in which they caused and to get up underneath of like what was motivating them in the first place and then the allowance for healing to begin and to be worked through. Um, perhaps there would be an establishing of better boundaries, helping them see what boundaries were getting um, goofed up. Um, they would learn how to love themselves again or um, maybe um, for the first time ever. Maybe they never... Um, saw themselves as somebody of value, they would hear that in the circle. In many of these circles, there were very hard things being said, not for the purpose of cutting that person down, but out of genuine acknowledgement that where harm in a relationship happened, it needed to be addressed. And in many cases, we closed these circles with the serenity prayer. This was something as a group that they really um, grabbed hold of um, it seemed like an appropriate fit and it would always be invited as an opportunity for closing. But people could bring their faith into the circle, happen all the time. There would be others that would call out the BS that they saw. And sometimes the youngest in the groups were the most surprising as they shared great nuggets of wisdom and thoughtful perspectives on the value of life and the importance of their elders being people of integrity in their community. The cool thing about this um, experience this first time is that it was local community speaking into local issues. And in many cases, we knew these people would bump into each other in the community. But I think that's really kind of cool because it's grading, it's offering great opportunity for everyone. Again, there's no shaming. There's no gossip. Confidentiality is a priority in the circle and it's being upheld. And yet we can have a healthy framework in the circle process to work out the pain caused by an individual in the community without um, ostracizing them. Um, to me, if this um, human heart that caused the crime did not have the opportunity to transform, this problem would only grow in the community. Um, the person that had committed the crime had really loving community, surrounding them, challenging them, but committed to their value, their human dignity, or giving them human dignity and, and worthiness. They were offering respect while they were expressing their concerns. But at the end of the day, that person had a lot of self-reflection <laughs> and they were digging into the why behind their actions. And with the collective wisdom of the circle, 
they, be, would, they would begin to start developing a plan towards health that they had to fully participate in. So the circle process is not um, taking away from an individual. Instead, it's, um, it's kind of like what Rihanna says, you know, shine bright like a diamond. We're like uncovering the dust that is allowing for that diamond to emerge, but helping that person see it in themselves and offer themselves as a, to the world as someone who has value and worth. Um, the circle process does not create codependency, which I, I really love. That talking piece um, breaks that, actually, for folks. And if anything, if anything, when a circle process is facilitated well, it requires each person to take full responsibility for their actions with firm and loving community guiding them to the goals that they acknowledged that they wanted for their life. Um, things might change along the way, right? Um, the goals might change directionally, but that's to be expected as a person grows in more self-awareness and expresses where they're at each and every circle. Ooh, I've talked a lot about this, but while um, I got a couple more things to say about circles, while the circles um, were mostly for crimes that I was a part of in the very beginning, I benefited just as much as the person who had committed the crime. I just found this to be an enormously powerful experience. And I was able to find ways to bring this learning and skill set into my own life and work. I was trained in it, and then I started using it within my own family. We have a blended family, right? We have conflict. We have outside forces that come up against us. And I was able to facilitate circles um, with my kids to various degrees. Instead of me yelling um, and not making progress, because that's totally counterproductive, I could hold circles, and it worked. And relationships were preserved when a lot of hard things needed to be said. In some cases, that building of common ground meant I had to pull people from outside in my children's life that they loved and that they appreciated and they wanted their voices represented. We would then hold circle um, with them. And, and I found that to be enormously helpful because I didn't have to have all the answers as a parent. I had others who could also speak into my children's life and help us through that as well. So you heard the most extreme form of circle in my story, but I just want you to be thinking, can you see how this could make an enormous amount of um, difference for a lot of scenarios? A circle can be formed within a family or in a home with just family members working together on a particular issue, or it can be a team of volunteers in a community surrounding an issue that the court might take on put a divorcing couple into a circle experience. Maybe each one gets their own circle at first, but then they come to uh, consensus and agreement on what they want their future to look like. This is a whole lot cheaper than hiring a lawyer, I'll tell you that, and have full um, ability to make all your decisions, keeping your voice, your power, and um, the integrity of what you want your future to look like. Can you imagine how different a couple's future would look like if they had people speaking truth and love and helping them achieve their goals. It is not about, um, you know, diverting people from getting divorced. We can't change people's minds, but we can help create atmospheres for people to do this well and to part ways if they need to, but to, to remove the war um, experience that so often courts bring. And then bring that uh, established plan to the court to have it signed as an order. What about 
for a parent that caused harm to a child. A circle could help that parent figure out why they were hurting their kid and help them move forward um, in the in the dreams that they might have for their family, but while also taking responsibility and addressing the harm that was caused. Um, they could have a diverse community wrapping around them and helping them um, see multiple perspectives to consider rather than one social worker's recommendation from one point of view and then a judge's order. This allows for the community and the diversity of the community to wrap around and help support parents and hold them accountable to the things that went sideways and to encourage them in the things that are going well. While the circle process is quite a bit slower, it will ultimately reduce the amount of time that people need to engage with the courts or even social services in the future because now they've had the opportunity to fully work out their issues with a group or a community around them. What if a couple with marital um, issues could go to their local church and have a circle to help them navigate their conflict? What if that pastor in that church had a team of volunteers prepared to help circumstances just like that? They can embed their faith into it if they wanted, but they can help families stay together and, um, and live well together while minimizing the war zone experience. You guys, I could go on and on and on, but I think that's probably enough for today. We have unpacked an enormous amount of, of um, content, and so I just appreciate that you're willing to hang with me. Um, I did share at the beginning that I was putting out a clarion call, and I want to put one out to women specifically. And the reason why I want to put a clarion call out to women is 75% of those listening to this podcast are women. And women naturally see the world in a series of relationships, right? Everything's connected to everything. When we read, you know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus, right? We get this in a different way. And we were actually created to breathe life into our families and our surroundings. We tend to be the ones that are trying to unite rather than divide. Yet I do want to acknowledge there are people in our lives who are hell-bent on dividing. And I'm calling women who want to unite their families, help families um, out in their communities win, then this is for you. So I'm putting this call out to women. If this idea is speaking to you, if this framework is speaking to you, if you've had a circumstance in your life that is similar to mine or what I've articulated, then I want to meet you. I'm going to be kicking off a monthly live Zoom call with my friend Jen on Tuesday. March 23rd at two o'clock central time with a brand new coffee break series. This is going to be a monthly conversation together. Jen and I are going to speak directly to women and offer you pathways to learn this process yourself and then take it wherever you feel called to take it. We're going to offer you spaces to experience circle yourself. For some of us, we need to do some healing. Um, for some of us, we have been waging war for a long time and we need to decompress and we need to um, you know get back on our feet or maybe just rest for a little bit we are going to create spaces for you to do a little personal self-discovery um, but we believe it's time it's time to build community that cares about families and that are willing to challenge the status quo in our homes challenge the status quo in our neighborhoods challenge the status quo in our church, 
in your work, but ultimately we are going to challenge the family court system of America when there's enough of us who are willing to take it to our community court system. You remember that um, in last episode, I shared about the success of bringing a community idea forward because it was cost effective. You guys, it is very possible to scale this and do it in every county in America. But I'm calling women specifically to step out, whether you've had this experience, you're healing from this experience, you're working in, in child welfare, to come to March 23rd at two o'clock and listen. See what resonates with you, and then we'll give you ideas on where you can take it from there. We believe that if women are willing to grab hold of this idea within their own sphere of influence, and we are not going to pressure you, maybe you just want to do this for your family members, but maybe you're feeling like, gosh, I have, a, I have influence in my church. I'd like to build a ministry to support people like this, then you should get trained. Maybe you feel like I work in child welfare. You should get trained in this process. You could help so many families. But as we start building this community, we are going to start organizing ourselves and we are going to help offer a lateral process to our family court and our justice system in every single county in America. So who's in? Doesn't that sound kind of cool? Maybe you're the leader that is being called to do this. So Registration is actually in our show notes. When you click on this podcast, just go back out of it, click on the registration. And if you're thinking, I can't make it at two o'clock central time on March 23rd, hey, it's okay. Just register anyways, because we're going to send the recording out by email right afterwards. What are we going to talk about on March 23rd? Jen and I just want to acknowledge you. The title is going to be, Are You Still There? But we just want to see how you're doing. We want you to know that we care about you, we see you, and you matter. This is meant for any woman in any circumstance. But the conversation specifically for March is going to be centered on how are you doing? 2020 was a hard year. And every month, our coffee break, which is free, by the way, is going to open up new pathways for learning, for growth, for bringing this to your home, or for taking the skill much, much further. You get to decide what speaks to you based on what life looks like right now. So like I said earlier, we've got a big vision and that is ultimately to offer a lateral process in every county court system in America. And if you're that leader, you've got to stay tuned because there is room for you at our table. And it is time, ladies, to take your pain, your experience, your voice, and grab hold of the steering wheel of life using this process. You will be warmly welcomed into our community of women um, because there's going to be a whole lot of women who get it just like you. Now, I just want to give a a reminder that I am a pastor and so you're going to hear me talk about faith and how this ties to the conversation and to life. It's just who I am and how I show up in spaces. Um, But I promise to um, respect where you're at. My friend Jen is also a Christian pastor. Her favorite thing to do is to coach women. But we promise we will just simply give you space to think and process. Um, You don't have to agree with us, but we believe there is probably something for you, no matter whether or not you agree with faith or not. So sound good, guys? 
Go register in the show notes for March 23rd, 2 p.m. Central Time. And even if you can't join live, it is okay. We will email you the recording and you can decide what step is next for you. I'm excited to meet you guys, but I will see you next week on the podcast, Dear Family Courts. Thanks for joining us today. We are so thrilled you've chosen to follow along. And we know that you have exactly what it takes to get started. You can absolutely be the catalyst for change at home or even in your work environment. Please check out our website at thecatalossalgroup.com to find resources, circle kits, and opportunities just for you. Until next time, friends, we'll see you later.